Good afternoon, sweet world. This is Max, your friend on the radio, saying hello on this sweaty, disgusting, moist, gotta love that word. I'm gonna say it again because it's a fun word to say, moist, Saturday afternoon. It is 4.20 p.m., no pun intended because I don't smoke weed. I mean, I've done it a few times in my life, but like, don't like it. I just, I end up just eating like three boxes of cereal and a pizza. It's not like I'm hungry. I just love chewing. The act of chewing just really gets me going. But that's many years in the past, and that's not what this this podcast is about. So let's get back on topic and talk about what's going on. So today I woke up at the crack of 9 a.m., and that was shocking to me. I was like, holy shit. This is what the sun looks like. This is, and today's one of those days where it's like you look outside and you're just, you just know it's summer. Kind of everyone has that nod to each other. Like, yeah, this is, this is finally it. This is where the, the, uh, the heat kicks in. The sun is just extra bright in the sky. It's almost like it's giving you a thumbs up. Remember that sun with the Ray Bans on and like the Razor Brand commercials back in the day? It's that. That sun is out. He, he wants to party. And I was excited. I was like, you know, let's get a uh, podcast in early. But then I realized that my air conditioning was not functioning. And I freaked out because, I mean, right as the, right as the heat is peaking, I don't have the cool, refreshing breeze that I'm used to because I am a pampered soul and I don't know how to handle being uncomfortable. So I called my buddy Luke, who's kind of this handyman fixer. He's a buddy of mine who used to work at the bar I worked at 10 years ago. And whenever something goes wrong in my house, I kind of just frantically text him and throw him 40, 50 bucks. I'm like, please fix these things that I don't understand. And yeah, at some point I probably should learn to be uh, you know, reasonably handy, but I don't know. It just, I get bored. I'm going to do it wrong. And you get electrically shocked. I mean, all the like neurotic Jew fears kind of get get instilled in me that I could burn my house down or accidentally cross wires. It's not like I'm diffusing a bomb or anything, you know, and I'm snipping the red wire rather than the blue, but that's how it feels. So why not have an expert? And my buddy was an engineer in college and works for the EPA, testing cars. So he knows his shit and he works at Best Buy too, so... He knows everything about everything that's kind of in your house. You know, he's that He-Man, you know, Tim Allen, just grunting, chest hair, that kind of guy. And I am the antithesis of that. So rather than, you know, make a fool of myself, why not have it professionally done when you can afford it? So that sounds lazy out loud, but that's how I feel. But maybe one day, like when I'm retired, I'll watch all those handyman how to do it videos. And, but then I'll be like, my hands will be shaky. I'm like, what if I cut a finger off? See, I always think about the worst. So it'll be a good insurance ingester, but a bad, you know, round the house construction guy. So fair trade. I'll take it. You know, personality doesn't lend itself to that. So, so he came over around 9 30 AM and still, I was like, walking around in a daze because 
I was shocked that this is what nine thirty in the morning looks like. It's just crispy outside. It looks picturesque. I uh, cleaned the house a little bit. And I was like, you know what? I'll do an earlier podcast. This will be fun. But then after Luke told me that my compressor was needed to defrost, so I needed to keep it off for 12 hours. So right now I'm in the sweltering heat. Not sweltering. I mean, this house is pretty well insulated. But for me, for for little padded me, this is a little difficult. So I took a all windows open nap after he left and that nap lasted four or five hours (laughs) so woke up about an hour ago and now i'm here and this one's actually later than my original podcast yesterday so i missed that opportunity to get the morning in but one day i'll get an a.m podcast in and see if my voice is crispier i'm curious maybe you know my inflections and my uh tone of voice will be just exacerbated and just louder and more intense in a good way. I used some kind of aggressive adjectives there, but I'm curious to see if time of day leads to better podcasting. Although right now I feel pretty good, even though I'm sweating pretty profusely and I'm wearing uh, a tank top that has flames on it. So I look down, I'm like, I'm burning (laughs) and maybe not, maybe not actually, but it's like my brain just goes there. But so maybe I'll take this off and wear something. I have one that has water on it. So maybe I'll wear that one and it'll like mentally make me feel that I'm cooler, you know, from a temperature level, not like, you know, a James Dean Fonzie level, because I don't think a shirt makes you feel cooler. Although I don't know when I had a seventh grade, I had like those flaming bowling shirts and I felt very cool wearing them, even though everyone kind of didn't think the same thing. I don't know, just something about them just made me feel about 15% cooler. But the coolest thing that I did in the last 24 hours was watch the movie Paddington 2. And I know that sounds crazy because a lot of questions. Uh, One, isn't that a kid's movie? Absolutely, it's a kid's movie. It's, you know, about a bear named Paddington uh, who's living with the Brown family of humans. You know, it's a human world, and he's just this cute little animated bear with the cutest little red hat and a blue little jacket, and he's kind of just stumbly. And he's I think he's teenage in age. It's kind of hard to tell, but he's definitely a cub. And it's kind of his ad- misadventures through London, and he's always positive, and he's always, you know, trying to find the best in people because, you know, it's a kid's book. And so you got to be asking yourself, why watch a child's movie when I am a 34-year-old man? Well, oddly, this movie, in all the podcasts that I listen to, I usually listen to pop culture entertainment ones, uh, mostly the Ringer staff, a few random, how how did this get made? Uh, There's some pop culture ones. I follow some ones that discuss uh, TV shows week by week, like billions. And just here and there, this movie gets brought up oddly by, I mean, obviously parents, but it's, it's kind of like they have the shock in their voice all the time that this movie is way better than it should be. That this was actually a fantastic movie, not just for children, just a fantastic, uh, just a, a spectacle and an enjoyable uh, film for everybody. 
And I was like, you know what? People seem to, I kind of get, you know, when you hear whispers of something and you hear three, four people say the same thing about something and you're like, I got to check this out. You know, like if there's a really good taco place in town and you hear from four or five people organically that bring up how good it is. And they're not like telling you, you have to go see it. They're just, they're just gushing about how they enjoyed it. You know, that's when that's something that's worth going to see or worth going to eat. Although you could not eat this movie. Although you, I mean, it had a serious food vibe too, because Paddington loves his uh, marmalade sandwiches. He makes original marmalade sandwiches and other just treats with uh, the people that he gets involved with in the movie. And oddly, there's no savory dishes. They just make all desserts. So I was wondering though, like Paddington seems like he would be a diabetic. I mean, he seems like he would lose his foot and he'd be 400 pounds and it would just not, I mean, for 2020, I think they should, they should give him a little bit of a less, less of a sweet tooth and more, maybe he just likes fruit or he likes veggies, but it's char- it's charming. I mean, candy and cakes and, you know, marmalade look great on screen and they're fun to say and fun to like dream about. It's a fantasy world. So who am I to fucking judge? But you know, if this is for three to five year old kids and they're looking all wide eyed and they, they associate Patty and Ken with uh, sweets that are just high in sugar, then who knows what their little kid lives will be like. But this is soapbox ranty from someone who doesn't even own a soapbox. Although I don't think anyone owns a soapbox. I've never even seen, I know there's, there were soapbox derbies in the fifties and sixties where like kids would make, uh, race cars out of these soap boxes, but how big was soap? Was it like one giant bar? Was it a hundred bars? Or because I never, it's not my generation. I'll have to ask my dad, or maybe it was before him. He might be insulted then. I I ask him about soapbox racers because maybe his father did them. I don't know. I'm, I just know them from certain movies, and they're oddly in a lot of kind of movies growing up. I can't put my finger on which ones, but it's more than one. And less than eight, I want to say. Something like six or seven. But anyway, so Paddington 2, why is it so fantastic? And first of all, the animation. I think this won some Oscars. And the animation of Paddington and kind of his his adventures and the way the normal people interact with him, it's just, it seems like he actually exists, which is bizarre because he's, uh, you know, on his back feet, walking like a bipedal human uh, little bear. And it seems like he's seamlessly involved in all the misadventures in London with everyone else who's, you know, a normal human. And the cool thing about the movie is that everybody has kind of real world problems uh, besides Paddington, who's, you know, obviously in a fantasy world, but he lives with the Brown family and the husband, Henry is going through a midlife crisis because he's getting uh He's not getting a promotion at work and he feels like the world's passing him by and his youth is gone a little bit. And the wife who was, uh, what was her name? It was stalling for time. Mary. There we go. Mary was an artist who was going to swim the English channel as kind of a, again, she's, you know, trying to look for adventure in herself, in her life. And then the kids were Jonathan, who I love this. He was, he loved uh, steam trains 
like he's just obsessed with building steam trains, but it's not cool. So he makes sure that no one at school knows he does that. And instead he's wearing like LED glasses and t-shirts and he wants to be called J-Dog. And you just remember when you were in school and you were trying to act cool and kind of hide uh, your nerdy kind of uh, passions. Although, I mean, because I love rocketry. Uh, I used to launch just a bunch of rockets after building them in my basement. And I kind of went the other way. I leaned into it super hard and, you know, did them at school and made them part of projects and kind of forced other people to see them. And uh, that didn't work out so well for me. So maybe J-Dog was correct that people are mean and they'll make fun of <laughs> uh, nerdy kind of passions. But that's not what this kind of movie is. By the end of it, it comes full circle that he needs to actually uh, man a real life steam train to save Paddington. So I love that they tie everything together like that. And also with uh, the Brown parents, they Henry kind of has to become a man, like more of a, he has to tap into his manliness from being a teenager, being, you know, a prime of life kind of man to defeat the evils that are plaguing Paddington. So what's plaguing Paddington? So his aunt, Aunt Lucy, is turning 100 years old, super cute. She's lived in Peru, so random. And I love that, the by the way, you didn't need to see Paddington 1. They kind of just, this movie doesn't, it's not heavily tied. And I'm glad because, I mean, this movie's for younger kids, so I don't think they need, they wanted to overcomplicate things for a young audience. And so it's her 100th birthday, and he wants, he wants to get a uh, pop-up book of London where he lives uh, for her from this kind of vintage toy store that he he knows in town and but it's a thousand dollars and he doesn't have any money obviously because he's a bear and i'm not sure what bear work you know permits were because he's the only bear and there's one guy in town who's severely bothered by the fact that he's a bear in town and everyone else seems pretty cool with it and it makes sense that everyone's cool with it too because He's like helping out with everybody. He gets people breakfast. He helps someone study for their exams. He makes sure someone doesn't lock their keys out of their house. He's, you know, the ultimate help to everyone. And they kind of, they kind of depend on him to brighten the day and look for the positive in life. And it just, it makes you want to be positive and, you know, smile during the days and look for the good in people. And who doesn't like that? That's not a normal topic for movies. Usually we're following meth dealers or we're, you know, glorifying gangsters and goodfellas or we're watching violence, sex and drugs and all that kind of stuff, which is undeniably fun. But this is, this kind of melts your heart a little bit. He kind of squeezes, you know, he gives you a little, he gives your soul a hug or he gives your uh, spirit kind of a cleanse by the end of this. And who doesn't want that? feels great. You feel like a better, I feel like 3% more uh, confident that I'd get into heaven because I watched this movie, which is insane because I mean, I didn't do anything, but you know, I mean, it just shows humanity. Uh, if you give it a chance that everyone will kind of step up to the plate and help each other. So back to Paddington. So he wants to get this pop-up book. I love saying pop-up book. He says it in like the British accent too. And it's just, it's, uh kind of it's a word mash that you normally don't get together pop-up book london pop-up book fun to say i think i'll say it some more pop-up book 
Yeah, that's a good point. Let me say it close. Pop-up book. That's creepier than I thought it'd be. So I'll edit that out. And so he, Paddington mentions to the local like celebrity in town who's played by Hugh Grant, which just fantastic. Hugh Grant plays a villain just, you know, to a T. And the, the uh, villain's name is Phoenix and he's an actor in town. And he mentions to him that he wants to get a pop-up book for his aunt. And Phoenix gets kind of just, he's taken aback. He's like, I've heard of that book, you know, kind of. So he steals the book as a incognito in one of his many outfits. And Paddington's blamed for the crime. And he goes to prison for 10 years because he's, you know, ransacked the uh, store and stolen this book. And you're like, my God, this is getting dark very quickly. And I guess, though, uh, in, you, you kind of don't think of kids' movies and books as being dark or being heavy. But if you think about, like, all the Pixar movies where there's just, I mean, like, think about Coco, where it's about the afterlife and death and what happens to the, your loved ones after they leave or die, I mean, to be more blunt. Or the beginning of Up, when the, the guy just loses his wife after they do the montage of them being together and that just tears your heart out and I definitely cried and I've watched that intro probably 50 times and Mufasa dying in uh the Lion King I mean there's just or Bambi's mom getting shot initially and there's a lot of brutality like it's pretty dark how most uh Disney and Pixar movies start so I think we need to give more credit to the depth of children's movies in general when they're done well they kind of take adult themes and they don't pull punches. They're just like, Hey, this is how life is. And we're going to teach you how to deal with it with strength and fortitude and moving forward. It might be even actually like more, uh, dark and kind of show us the bad side of life, but more than the, um, the mobster movies once in a while, I think it's just not in front of our face as much. We just think of the singing and, you know, the friendship and the fact that they're not swearing in the movie. And we just kind of write them off as just for little kids, but they're not, they're for everyone. And they are, they give life lessons. And I think they're very important. Like this is definitely, this was like a top 10 movie for me and it blows my mind. So Paddington gets sent to prison and just cute little touches. He gets, uh, he gets sent to the laundry room and he's washing all the laundry for the inmates. And, you know, they have these like 1920s kind of Grand Budapest Hotel, uh, kind of high class, sophisticated, uh, striped, striped, uh, striped outfits with, uh, you know, like the little uh, like follow boy hat. And he accidentally puts a red sock in with all of them and he turns all their outfits pink. So for the rest of the movie, all the uh, prison inmates are wearing just these pink outfits and just hilarious and looks good. I would wear that outfit, but I love pink. And he's like neon pink too. It's fantastic. And so he befriends the, uh, the head cook of the jail and his name is Knuckles McGinty. What a great name. Love that. And it's played by this badass uh, actor who's just in, he's in Bruges, which is a fantastic movie. And He's in just a bunch of, uh, he's in uh, Edge of Tomorrow. He's, he's a serious actor and he's usually like a very intense 
kind of uh, scary dude. And in this movie, he's still just as scary and just as intimidating. And uh, when Paddington asks him if he can make anything else besides the gruel they're eating, and he slowly convinces him to make marmalade sandwiches, which Paddington, you know, obviously is an expert in, eventually uh, Knuckles opens his heart up and they end up becoming good friends. And it's just, you know, it's little moments like that when they show it's like no matter how gruff someone is, you can kind of get to their core and kind of just uh, make sure that make them a better person if you believe in them. And also if you listen to them and also just don't give up on them. Try to make them uh, a better person. And the, the actor's name is Brendan Gleeson. And he's just this big, angry Irish guy. And he's just tense. And he's as scary in this movie as pretty much any other movie. So pretty impressive. Props to him. And then <laughs> once uh, Paddington breaks his gruff exterior and gets him to make marmalade sandwiches, turns out all the other inmates have great recipes they know from uh, their history of their lives. And so the, there's a scene where the prison just becomes this spectacle of cookies and cakes. And they like put flower beds in the... Uh, in the in the jail cells and the warden is reading them bedtime stories and just everyone's just kind and wonderful and warm and it's just hilarious to watch it's like it's a scene you should watch you should take mushrooms and watch this movie because visually it's in a it puts you in a positive place and it's just really colorful and like the special effects mixed with the real kind of uh with the real actors it's just seamless and it's just, it puts you in a good place. That's why I said, you know, you should do mushrooms and watch it because it just, it's like, I mean, it's almost a mushroom trip just watching it. It's just so spastically positive and it's like a coloring book. And, you know, they just colored in everything and just bright yellows and pastel blues and pinks and, and Paddington's just overall attitude, you know, where everything's optimistic, just wonderful. And while he's in jail, you know, converting everyone into being better people. Uh, the, the family, the Brown family is trying to look for the real, you know, the real thief that Paddington said he saw. And they're chasing down Phoenix, Phoenix Buchanan. And he's going to different points in uh, London because the pop-up book has kind of a code to it where they can find a treasure that his grandfather, that Phoenix Buchanan's grandfather was looking for for over a hundred years. So that's why Phoenix stole it and framed Paddington. And Phoenix has all these outfits and they're going to cool places in London, like nice uh, landmarks and also you get like a taste of London too, which is really fun. And also as the family chases them down, you get the whole sleuth kind of, and also the family bonding together. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts in this movie and I'm so glad that they just bring everything together. It just fits. It's like a puzzle when you finish it and you're like, hmm, that's satisfying. So satisfying to solve a puzzle. Although I don't think I've done a puzzle since I was 10. I don't have the time for them. I just get frustrated. I'd rather watch TV. I'd rather watch Paddington. I'd rather watch someone create a visual puzzle for me that gets solved without any work or effort from me. So that's the laziness in me, I suppose. Uh, so Paddington's family is, you know, chasing down, uh, Phoenix Buchanan slowly. And they're so focused on catching, catching, uh, Phoenix that they forget visiting hours or they like just miss them for Paddington. 
and you know they only see him once a month and he just becomes disheartened and he cries little tears and it's the saddest saddest moment you know they got the sad violins playing and the other inmates are trying to convince him to break out before this and he's like no my family loves me i'm not going to do it but then when the family misses the visiting hours he's he's worried that what the prisoners were saying were true so he decides to escape and they have this great elaborate escape scene where paddington's like kind of wiggling his way through clock gears and they go out on a hot air balloon that they make out of things that they find in the prison. And that's a really fun scene. And Paddington goes to clear his name, but the other prisoners, the other prisoners were promising him, promising him uh, that they were going to help him clear his name, but they were actually just going to escape with via plane. So that's another heartbreak for Paddington. He's got to go by himself to try to, you know, prove that, Phoenix Buchanan was the one that stole the book and not him. So he's getting betrayed left and right. It's a hard, hard life for Paddington. It's a hard, bare life. And he's, and he's only done good things for people. And they keep getting, you know, kicked in the nuts a little bit. So, you know, we got to, it's a definitely a low point. And in, in movies, you got to have those moment, moments where you kind of just cringe. You know, it's usually 20, 25 minutes before the end where the main character hits a low point or rock bottom. and from that but it's cleansing though you know like okay this is this is the worst point let's see how he squiggles out of it and it's a kid's movie so there's no way it's like patting is going to be arrested and by himself or you know on the streets homeless so he goes to find phoenix buchanan on a train where the book has led him to a carnival kind of uh a, a carnival train where the treasures in this organ that needs to be played in certain notes and the family kind of finds him and comes with and helps, uh, helps him, you know, defeat Phoenix Buchanan, which he's no, he's no small foe. He's well-trained in the art of sword fighting and is clever and is dedicated because this, this treasure for him, he's an actor who's so vain that he doesn't want uh, to work with any other actors, so it's ruined his career. So he needs to get the treasure so that he can make his own one-man show. And Hugh Grant, just as a as a conceited, uh, self-absorbed actor, I don't know if it's much of a stretch for him. He kind of just seems like he fits the bill. And I love that uh, in his house, he has just pictures of himself all over, you know, from his younger years. And it just fits. I mean, it's just a perfect, whoever cast this, just mwah, bravo. And so the family comes and helps Paddington uh, kind of save the day in kind of an Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade kind of fight through the uh, train cars kind of vibe, which is always a great trope. You know, when you're running through the train, you're on top of the train. And nice little touch, uh, Paddington uses uh, toffee-covered apples as suction cups for his feet so that he can walk on the top of the train and kind of walk on the ceiling. Just fun stuff like that. I mean, it's fun. I can't imagine how creative you can get when you can animate whatever you want. So toffee apples on your feet. Let's do it. Yeah. So, so with the help of the family and actually the, uh, Knuckles McGinty and, uh, the other inmates who abandoned him come back in the plane and save Paddington's life later. And they get the book back and they nail Phoenix Buchanan, send him to jail. Paddington wakes up and three days later, because he almost died, he almost uh, he almost drowned on one of the cars, got uh, thrown off the tracks. 
but they all saved him. And three days later, he wakes up and it's his Aunt Lucy's 100th birthday. And all the people that Paddington had helped in the community uh, decided to get together and get her a plane, get her a plane ticket and bring her to London so that she could actually experience London for, for herself. And when they hug each other and he just whispers like, happy birthday, Aunt Lucy. It's just, you tear up. It's cute. Because all he wanted was just a gift for his Aunt Lucy's 100th birthday. Like, what a, what, a, what a small idea that created such a large movie and just fun things. And actually, so then, then they show, um, they make like their own pop-up book of uh, their experiences through London at the end. And ironically, at the very end, Phoenix Buchanan in prison is putting on Broadway shows with all the inmates. And it's like high quality. It looks like. You know, it's kind of the same vein of Paddington making the prison a happy place with all the sweets and cooking and, uh, you know, positive spirits. Buchanan has found his place in jail as kind of where he belongs, which he doesn't even deserve as a character because he, like, tried to kill Paddington and frame him uh, just to get this book. But you don't really care at that point. You're just like, "Eh, everyone's happy because that's what the moral of the story of this book was or this movie was that. Be happy, be positive, be a light to everyone around you. And that's what I'm going to try to do today. So my family's going to talk about this movie tonight. And I couldn't be more excited that Paddington gets to bring us together. And what a, what a, what a wonderful way to start the day at 420, <laughs> 4.20 p.m. You know, the, start, the technical start of the day. So I am going to go do that. Bye.